Uh, if you're new this morning, welcome. My name's Matt. I'm one of the leaders out here at the, the project. Really glad that you'd uh, join us. And I'm really looking forward to sharing with you this morning. Uh, to give you just a little bit of context, uh, last week uh, I uh, shared on hope. And I introduced this, this idea, this uh, concept of uh, biblical hope and, uh, and how it sort of contrasts with the hopes that we live with every day. Uh, a, key, a key text uh, from last week was 2 Corinthians 1 uh, and verse 10. And Paul says there, on him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. And, uh, and last week, just again to help you understand where I'm going this morning, last week I, uh, I looked at the word there, ruamaya, uh, which, which means to draw to oneself. And, and the implication that we drew from that is that the Christian's hope, uh, based on Paul's hope, in trouble wasn't that they'd get out of trouble, but that God would draw them unto himself in the middle of it. And that he does that time and time again that he, he draws us to himself to guard our hearts and to preserve us and to, to be a refuge for us. Uh, it changes, it changes uh, sort of our, our perspective in the middle of trouble, our motivations, our anxieties, our, our fears. Uh, and and I, I trust, it's been my prayer this week that it's been at work uh, in your heart, that you've been uh, wrestling with that, you've been allowing it to uh, convict you and, and challenge you. It has been for me. Uh, and I want to I want to just dig a little deeper into this. The, the problem uh, that that we sort of come to is that we deceive ourselves time and time again. In, in, we deceive ourselves into thinking that false hopes can deliver us. You know, you know what false hope does? It leads us to believe that we can live life without God, doesn't it? That's that's the whole idea, right? This is a false hope. I can live life without God. I can follow this. This will be the thing that I cling to. This will be the thing that I put my hope in. I have a confident expectation in this thing uh, to save me, to bring me the things that I need, to provide for me, to be my God. And the reality is that the culture, and I mentioned this a little bit last week, culture is selling us false hopes. They, they cling to it, right? Relationships, success, money, power, diet. I'm sure a lot of us are, are trying some new diets this year, right? It's a new year. You know, it's time for that new body. That, uh, that every year, I am, I'm just, it's this year. This is the year that I will finally have the willpower, you know, the mental stamina, the strength to resist. And I'm telling you, it's hard to resist. <laughs> it's, I've, got, I've got 17 sugar teeth in my mouth and... Um, yeah, I'm not making any promises to myself. So, uh, no, no, no. But the culture sells us false hopes, doesn't it? it just, it's selling us false hopes. Turn on the TV and watch, watch an ad, watch a Denos Direct ad, and you can just see that is a, that is a like, you couldn't make it any more obvious, the uh, kind of hope that they give you in a product. Uh, you know, on, on the other side of the, the equation, the church, I think, sometimes is, also can be guilty of, of propagating false hopes. Good things that aren't God himself. Good things that are really good for us and, and can be really fitting and are God's good gifts to us, but that aren't actually God himself. And that's where we can deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves by placing our hope in things that are good, but aren't God himself. Now, just, just think about this. Just sort of wrestle with this as we, uh, as we begin to dive in. It's really good to hope 
for reconciliation. It's really good to hope for health. It's really good to hope for your children's growth and their development. It's really good to hope for success. That's a good thing, right? Those are good things. Those are good gifts that God gives us. But at the end of the day, something has to be on the bottom. Something is the ground floor. You step in that lift and you hit G, you're going to land somewhere. There's going to be something that is a foundation for your faith. And if that isn't God, if that isn't God himself, the person of God, if it's not relationship with God, if it's not a desire to be connected to him, the building's going to crumble. Your faith is going to crumble. If there's anything else there, it's not going to last. Something takes precedence over the other. So we're going to look uh, into this a little more. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into looking at hope and looking at the ripple that hope has across our lives. So it wouldn't be enough just to leave it. Uh, I wasn't happy, satisfied to leave it at, at biblical hope. Today I want to look at, I want to look at uh, gospel hope, how the gospel informs our lives, how it informs our hope. Um, it's not enough just to passively persevere knowing that one day things will be better. We need active hope for tomorrow, for this week, for returning to work, for facing those difficult situations again. So today is a, a, a specific look, a focused look at how the gospel births hope in the believer. Let me, um, let me just look a little bit uh, at, at hopelessness and other distinctives or distinctions and then we'll look at gospel hope. For a lot of us, this is, this is um, a little bit of a summary of our, our current situation. For a lot of us, um, you know, just the, the daily uh, situations we find ourselves in, day-to-day life, um, brokenness has turned our, our youthful boast, you know, our, our saving boast. Nothing is impossible with God. For a lot of us, brokenness has turned that into nothing is ever going to change. This is the way life is now. It's, we, we live in a broken country. I work in a broken workplace. We live in a, in a broken system, a broken culture. It's built on deceit and greed and power and selfishness. Nothing's going to change. Country's broken. Or maybe it's a little bit more personal. Maybe it's your marriage. Nothing's going to change here. It's just we're stuck. It's a dead end. We've just got to live it out, right? Just got to get through. Just got to persevere. It's built on mistrust and skepticism. Maybe there's other relationships in your life that are, that are like that. Or maybe it's even more personal. Maybe it's actually internally. You've, your soul seems to be broken. It seems, like the, it seems like the light's gone out a little bit. It's almost like the light's been extinguished. It's like nothing's going to change here. It's just the way I am. It's just the way life is now for me. And into that... Think about this for a second. Into that brokenness, into that context, we defend ourselves by naming it realism. Don't we? I'm just being realistic, Matt. Don't go, don't go getting all optimistic on me. Don't give, it, don't give me this positive thinking nonsense. I'm being a realist here, Matt. Nothing's going to change there. You don't understand. You don't, see even a, you don't even get a glimpse of what I see every day, Matt. Let me just maybe just draw a few distinctions here. Hope is, is a little bit different to optimism. 
Optimism we could, we could define as expecting the best possible outcome from any given situation. So optimism generally is connected to a situation or a circumstance, right? It's contextual. That's optimism. It's, it's like looking for the silver lining, right? Looking for the silver lining in the cloud of circumstance. It's like, well, this circumstance looks pretty, looks pretty ordinary, but there's a little silver lining there. I think I can just pull a little something out of that. It's the glass half full, right? It's like I'm looking at the glass, and you know what? A lot of people would look at this, and they'd think it's half empty. But me, oh, the ever, you know, ever the optimist, that's a half full glass if I look at it at the right angle. That's not what hope is. It's different than that. Biblical hope, instead, it chooses to wait expectantly for God to bring his goodness and his, his person, his, the person of God in our future, to, to bear it out in our future regardless of how dark the circumstance. There's almost a little bit of a distance there between uh, our circumstance in, in when you think of optimism and hope, regardless of how this turns out. Can you, hear, can you hear Paul last week? He will deliver us. We've set our hope on him. He will deliver us. But Paul, your circumstance didn't really change that much. No, but God was with me. And that's, that's the core. That's the heart of it for Paul. But one more thing about uh, hopelessness and, and distinctions here. Hope isn't necessarily the picture that you have for your life. So you might be thinking, no, no, I've got hope. I've got hope in God. I've got hope in God. And, and there's, a, there's a number of things that that's going to look like. My hope in God will look like dot, 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 dot. These things happening across my life. It's not necessarily that. It's not necessarily the picture that you have in mind. It's not necessarily your expectations. Well, I hope this happens. Yes, yes technically. I mean, by definition, yes, that is what hope means. I have hopes for things, I have expectations for things. Uh, we're talking about a deeper reality, right? We're talking about what sits at the bottom. We're talking about what sits underneath that. So yes, of course, you have hopes for your life. You have hopes uh, for your family, for your career. Uh, yes, those things are good and, and true. Um, today, we're just looking at what sits underneath that. What does everything orbit around? What do your hopes anchor to? What is the hope in the center so where does gospel hope come from? Let's look at gospel hope. Let's look at a specific, uh, particular hope that sits at the bottom, that, that everything else anchors to, that all of your other hopes this year are grounded on. Gospel hope, firstly, comes from knowing who you are. It comes from your identity. It comes from a, a clear understanding of who you are as a person. And gospel hope gives us a really clear uh, picture here. You were alone and without hope. Outside of Christ, if you're not in Christ this morning, you don't have a true hope for your life. You might have some hopes. You might have a few hopes. I would really like this to happen. This would be really nice. I really hope this for my family. But you don't have a true lasting hope. In Christ, you now have a lasting hope. Ephesians 2 that at that time you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God. That's 
the reality outside of Christ. So let me, let me uh, ask you this. Is it, is it true in your heart? Are you convinced that not having God is hopeless? That being separated from Christ is hopelessness? Are you convinced of that? Are you sure? Are you, are you like deeply certain in your heart that not having Christ, that being separated from Christ is, is hopeless? That that would, be, that would be the worst thing? Like, are you convinced of that? Or is Christ a good thing among other good things in your life? He's part of the many good gifts that I have. No, 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 no. Are, are you certain that if you, if you were to go without Christ, that that would be hopelessness, that that would be despair for you? Your hope comes from, from being brought near. That's what we learn in Ephesians 2. The gospel comes, sorry, gospel hope comes from knowing who you are. So you, you are a new person. You have a new identity in Christ you are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5. Behold, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. Let me remind you of this. Your entire life is now transformed in Christ. You have a new life, a new heart. You are a new creation. It's almost, it's, you can almost hear uh, everything has changed. Thanks, Ed Sheeran. That's really nice. You're a new person with a new identity. No, no, really, you are. This is Christ's work. You are a new creation. You're a new creation created to extend the hope of Christ to the world around you. Hope has an exponential effect. Let me, um, let me read you a, a quote. It's a, it's a little bit longer, but this is from Matt Chandler. I think this, this just brilliantly uh, summarizes this, uh, th- this new identity that we receive in Christ and, and the way that it has a really profound effect on us. Listen to this. In my experience of talking with people across the world, most of us do not have a problem believing that God forgives us. Right? Like that's, most of us don't have a big problem with that. Yeah, God forgives us. That's great. But most of us struggle deeply with the idea that God might actually like us. We do not have a problem that we find forgiveness in the cross of Jesus Christ. But most of us lack the fuel that comes from knowing that God delights in us. That we are adopted as sons and daughters, that He loves us. That is powerful fuel. You need to get out of your head the idea that God loves a future better, more sanctified version of you. The you that you're going to be 10 years from now. Get that out of your head. Instead, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to drill into your heart the idea that it is you today, blood bought by Christ that pleases the Lord. What motivation would stream in your heart if we could really grasp that God is for us and not against us? This would enable us to serve the Lord in difficult days. Isn't that liberating? Isn't that so liberating that God, it's not that God loves a future you, me, He loves the mat in five years when I can finally love my kids as I ought to, when I can finally serve my wife like I should and, and work well, that He loves me today because of the work that Christ did. 
to renew me, to make me a new creation. You are loved in Christ and you are made into a new person today. And you've got a new hope today. Gospel hope grows in knowing what Christ has done. He has redeemed you. He's brought you back from death. He's transformed you. He's created you into a new person and and now he empowers you. Acts 1, think about the whole role of the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit creates missionaries. As soon as he regenerates someone, right? As soon as he creates a new person, as soon as he renews someone and redeems someone, with the life of Jesus, he's created a missionary. He's created someone that is sent, that goes in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in you today, this morning, is the presence of Christ fueling you to be his missionary, to join in his redeeming work across humanity. Your interactions with people are different now because of that, because of your living hope, because of this new identity. Everything's changed for you. The conversations you have with your neighbors are different now because of hope. Is that true for you? Is that, is that true? Is that vibrantly, definitively true for you? Secondly, a, a gospel hope is birthed in a new family. It's birthed in a new identity, in a new person, and, and it's birthed in a new family. Hope grows in knowing who you belong to. You are in a new family now. This morning when you sit uh, in this room, when you join together with uh, these people, you're a part of God's family. You're a part of God's family in Christ, wherever you are, at, at your workplace, in, in, uh, in your home, with your kids. You are a part of God's family. You're joined into a new family. You're adopted in to God's family. First Peter 2, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you might proclaim the excellencies of him. This is who you are now. You're God's people. We are God's people. This is us. This is who we are now. The people who have received mercy to proclaim his excellencies. So, so no matter how lonely or isolated or separated or abandoned you feel in your life, no matter how tense and difficult your family is, this is true for you. You're part of God's family. All over the world, all over the world today, all throughout history, you're a part of God's family, His family that belong to Him and proclaim His excellence. And thirdly, uh, gospel hope grows in knowing that there's a new world, in knowing where you're going. So it, it, it grows in knowing that you're a new person, a part of a new family, and heading for a new home. Listen to Revelation 21. This is beautiful. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her, for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Now don't, don't miss this. Don't, don't miss the significance of this. This is a future that is better than the present. That's what's happening here. Christ's promise to his church, Christ's plan for humanity is that he's making everything new again. The hope of eternity with God. That is the, the present reality from, for you, regardless of how your life goes, regardless of the next 60 years for you, the next 10 years, the next year, the next week, you have a hope that Christ has saved you from death, brought you into his family and into eternity with God. Don't miss how deep that is, the significance of that. No suffering or trial or abandonment or persecution or depression or dismay or despair can change that. That is the truth for you. That is what is true for your life. You have a hope that goes way, way, way beyond today. You have eternal hope. Do you get the significance of that? It's all I can see at the moment is this. This little circumstance where family's a mess. Or I, don't know if my, I don't know if I'm going to have a job for more than a couple of weeks. Or the finances are, are just, it's like, where are they? They're non-existent. Or there's conflict everywhere I turn. Or this depression is so deep. It's so dark in here. That, that's not the ground floor for you. You have eternal hope in Christ. So you make decisions today informed by eternal hope. Not informed by your circumstance. Not informed by the thing that's right in front of you. First Peter 1, Therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope fully on that, on that grace. So just, just think about this. Just let this ripple through your life. The way you spend your money is informed by eternal hope. I'm going to live forever with God as a part of His family. So I, I will gladly and freely spend my money for his causes like i mean that doesn't even matter to me that that's going to make my life harder that life isn't going to be as comfortable as i'd like it to be that these other expectations are going to have to change these other cultural expectations that are given to me because i live in australia are going to have to change because i've got this hope that goes way beyond that I'm not holding on for hope that my money will give me a future. It's not going to redeem me. It's not going to save me. The way you respond to crisis is informed by eternal hope. This is not the end. This isn't where my life ends. This isn't a dead end. This isn't the death of me. This isn't the end of the road. This can change. I can change. They can change. Crisis looks different with eternal hope, doesn't it? God will deliver me. 
It's like, what? What do you mean? Like, what? Are you, why are you so sure of yourself, man? So look at Paul. Look at the life of Paul. Crisis isn't grabbing him and rattling his cage that much, is it? There's this sure and steadfast hope that sits underneath all of that. God's going to deliver me. It's like, man, what? That, that is foreign. That is, that's almost foreign language to me. Because I, I, crisis... Crisis to me is like hitting a kangaroo in the car, right? It's like, kaboom! It's like, whoa, I've lost three wheels and there's oil leaking everywhere. It's like, this, like we're going to have to pull over for about four weeks and fix the car. No, the way you respond to crisis is informed by eternal hope. And the way you respond to sin is informed by eternal hope. Yeah, you should... You should grieve at sin. If you, if you sin against someone or if you're sinned against, you should grieve at that. And that should, you should repent if you're, if you're sinning, if you're, at, if you're sorry, at fault, if you've sinned against someone. That should be, that's a really significant thing. But the way that you respond to sin is informed by a bigger picture, by eternal hope. He will hold you fast. Hope is the work of the Holy Spirit. Let me, um, let me just apply that for you today. Let, let's just apply that a little bit. What, what difference does it make? Because there's a tension, right? We live in this tension. It's the tension of today. So what about, what about my week that I'm about to, live, that I'm about to walk into that's going to buffet me around like, like a rubber duck in a storm, you know, like in an ocean storm. What about that? What about that right here, right in front of me? Knowing what we know in Christ, you know, we, we have a hope for today. I mean, just let's look at the context for a second here. If you are saved, just look at what Christ has done in your life. I mean, just look at that. Look at salvation. Look at the work that He has done in your heart. Look at the change. Look at the transformation He's done. And like, why wouldn't you expect a little more for this week knowing what you know about Christ, knowing what you know about His saving power, about redemption? Why wouldn't you just have a little more hope for this week knowing the kind of person that Jesus is to you? Knowing the way He's extended Himself to you. In Christ, we have hope for transformation today. We have hope for renewal today. Yes, we have hope for eternity, for life with God. But the, the tension there is we've also got hope for today. That doesn't mean we're just hanging in. We're just hanging in. I just got to get by just 60 more years and we're good. You know, like just got to buckle my seatbelt and just let life take me. No, no, no. It means we've also got hope for today, knowing what Christ has done if salvation is significant to you, it's this incredible story of hope. And that just the way that, that hope for Paul changes the equation for him. In Acts 26, Paul's, um, Paul's been imprisoned on these false accusations. accusations. Um, that's even worse than an accusation. Uh, from the Jews, they, they uh, laid a trap for him and they're trying to kill him um, while he was being transported between cities. And that was averted and in been in prison uh, for a couple of years now and had previously testified to no avail 
And there was a visiting um, political leader, uh, King Agrippa, or Agrippa, or uh, Agrippa, to whom Paul gives, Paul tells him his story. So the, the uh, leader who was uh, overseeing Paul and Paul's case and whom Paul had some conversations with, um, uh, the king visits him and he's like, well, come and listen to this guy's story. Come and hear from this guy. And I'll read you a little section of Paul's conversation with him. So he gives his defense and he tells him about his conversion and some of his story. And then in Acts 26, verse 24, he says this, Uh, And as he was saying these things in his defense, so he's just finished giving his defense, Festus, uh, the the local political leader, said with a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I'm speaking true and rational words. For the king, he's talking about King Agrippa here, For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. Listen to this. This is just incredible. He's he's been in jail for a couple of years, right? He's been oppressed. He's been persecuted by the Jews. He's been falsely accused. Like, yeah, even the smallest false accusation about me, right? And the justice that arises in my heart (laughs) it's like no 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 i've got to write this wrong everything has to stop until i write this listen to paul here king agrippa do you believe the prophets i know that you believe in verse 28 and agrippa said to paul in a short time would you persuade me to be a christian he's like are you are you Are you trying to get me saved here, Paul? Are you giving me the gospel? Is that what you're trying to do here? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am. Except for these chains. Right? Paul, are you trying to get me saved? Like you're in a a pretty tough circumstance. But you got something that just goes so far beyond that. you got something that is so much deeper than that, that is so much richer than that. It's like, well, I'm a little bit confused here. Like, are you trying to get me saved? And he's like, yeah, yeah. If we, if, we're gonna have a, if we need to have a short conversation or a long conversation, it would be my hope that you and everyone else that hears it become like I do, that you get saved, that you meet Jesus, that your life is transformed, that you're turned around like I was, that everything changes for you what a hope right he's not wrestling to get out of the situation he's not pleading his case please please these guys have falsely accused me and life's not fair and look at all the suffering i've been through now yes yes clearly he's providing a truthful defense he's he's providing a true and a good defense but look at what he concludes i would that all who hear me might be saved through Christ. It's, like, that's not the most important thing to me. Yeah, it'd be really nice to be out of prison. I've got some churches that I really want to go visit. I've got some Christians that I want to go encourage and strengthen. I've got some more people that I want to tell about Jesus. This gospel needs to go further. But while I'm here, I, w- I want you to be saved. And I want everyone who hears me today to be saved. That would be my hope. It's so much bigger and just getting out of trouble, and just getting out of this circumstance. He's not overly worried about his own life. 
Is he? He's got a hope so sure and so strong that it envelops his whole life. Christ is restoring the world to himself. He's making everything new. Why don't you come and be a part of that? It's the, it's, this is the greatest news that you could ever, ever hear. Why don't you come and know true hope? Why don't you abandon those false hopes? Come and know life. You know, at its core, gospel hope is about a person. The circumstance can change. Other people can change. You can change, but he will remain. When there is no evidence, sometimes things will get better. You choose hope anyway. Again, let me, let me just challenge you. The, the, the band can come up, but let me just challenge you this. How does this change your circumstance? What does this do for your circumstance, your, your family expectations? What does gospel hope do for your family expectations or for your neighborhood, for your street, for the people just living around you? What does gospel hope mean for that? Let me... Um, let me just, just close with a summary and then we're going to sing and then I'll, I'll pray. But let me say this. We've got a hope that goes far, far beyond life, beyond life itself. One day there will be a resurrection that changes everything. No, life is not temporary. It is eternal and we live in this tension, this hope for the future, for, for eternity with God and hope for today, for Christ's work through us today. The Holy Spirit is at work now in the church, in the life of Christ's people to bring about His restoration, to reconcile the whole world to Himself. Jesus begins this work and we continue it. That is our hope. But by the power of the Holy Spirit... I've got work to do this week. That He reconciled me and He He sends me. That I've got work to do. We have eternal hope for future restoration and we have present hope for Christ's work. Let us, as Christ's redeemed people, a part of His family, heading for His new home, Let us join in on his redeeming work. Our hope fuels our mission. That's the connection. Hope fuels mission. It fuels gospel work. The gospel fuels the gospel, right? There's a catalyst there. And that's my prayer. My my prayer for us this morning, as as we conclude, my prayer is that hope in your heart is a catalyst that the hope of the gospel, the hope of Christ's redeeming work in you today and Christ's redeeming work unto eternity would fuel your life, would fuel conversations, would fuel change in your world. If you want to stand up, I'd love to pray for you and pray for us as we sing.
Father, we can be, um, we can be so short-sighted. And sometimes it just seems like this thing, uh, this situation, this relationship, this trouble, this conflict, this thing inside of me is, is it's, it's all that I can see. It's all that I know right now. It's, all, it's the only thing in front of me. That can be something bad or even the good things, even the abstract things, even just keeping the family running, just keeping things going. It's like that's all I can see. That's all that I have the capacity for. God, would you examine our hearts today? Would you test our hearts? What, what are we really hoping for? What, what, what's, what's the ground floor for us? What's underneath all of our hopes? God, let it be hope for Christ, a hope for Christ's work amongst us, in our families, in our, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in, in, in this uh, city, in, in, in Highfields and Toowoomba. I wonder when the last time we prayed for our region was. I wonder, I wonder how great our confidence is in your work in our region, in this region. I wonder how great our hope is for the gospel to be at work. In my words this week, I wonder for me how great my hope is in that. Would you, Holy Spirit, would you examine our hearts? Test us. Refine us, God, that we might uh, repent of false hopes and that the gospel would become our, our true hope, the hope underneath everything else.